Welcome to Britt David Podcast, as Pastor Tim continues his verse-by-verse study of 2 Timothy with a message entitled, Help Them Escape, from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23-26. through 26. Throughout 2 Timothy 2, Paul has exhorted young Timothy concerning the kind of disciple and leader he needed to be for the people of the church in Ephesus. But why must he be that kind of disciple and leader? That's the answer we discover in the final verses of this chapter, that Timothy might be in a position to help people escape the snare that Satan and their sin has them in. Here's Pastor Tim. All right, ready? 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to finish this today, this particular chapter. What we've seen in this chapter is, of course, it's Paul writing to Timothy, the young pastor uh, of the church in Ephesus, and Paul is at his end, and he knows it. And so he writes to his young protege, uh, encouraging him, helping him. Uh, what, does, what does Timothy really need to know about being a pastor in that place when Paul is long gone? And, and that's primarily what the book itself is about. And when we get to chapter number 2... He doesn't talk so much about the church. He doesn't talk about the people that that Timothy will be ministering to. He talks about Timothy and the kind of man that he is supposed to be, the kind of man that I'm supposed to be, the kind of woman that you are. He, He talks about that specifically. And so we've seen him go through a number of analogies throughout this entire chapter about the kind of person that Timothy is to be. But it begs the question, why? Why does Timothy need to be, uh, you know, why does he need to be a single-minded soldier? Why does he need to be an athlete that competes according to the rules? Why does he need to be the diligent farmer? Why does he need to be the workman who is unashamed? Why does he need to be the vessel that is sanctified and clean? Why does he need to do that? A part of what we have tonight is the answer to that question. He's going to work his way all the way through this chapter telling Timothy the kind of man that he's supposed to be. And in the very end tells him, this is why you need to be this way. This is why this is of utmost importance. It's not enough to go through the motions. It's not enough to pretend to be somebody that you're not. You need to genuinely be the kind of vessel that God is ready to use. You need to be the kind of vessel that God is ready to use. Not just simply pretending to be something. Because there's there's something bigger than you that hangs in the balance. I'm going to go ahead and cut to the chase. Let's get to it. Look, if you will, look down to verse number 25. Certainly not our starting point. Our starting point is going to be verse 23. But it's one long sentence from verse 24 down to verse number 26. And in the middle of that long sentence, so in the middle of verse number 25, you're going to find the word if. You see it? See the word if? That's when he begins to tell me after this entire chapter for 24 and a half verses why he's writing what he's writing. The if tells me why. And here it is. If God perhaps will grant them, who's the them? The them are the people in Ephesus. Not necessarily the people in the church of Ephesus, 
Just the people who were in Ephesus. What do you remember about them? Do you remember reading through the book of Acts and coming up on Ephesus? Do you remember that they worshipped the goddess Diana? Do you remember that what we saw last week when, when Jesus cast the demons out into the pigs and, and they, the, the people were torn up because their, their pigs are gone, their prophets are gone? <laughs> when Paul got in there and dismantled Diana worship in Ephesus, people are not happy about that. They're not excited about that whatsoever. In fact, they're ready to run Paul out of town. They're ready to have him arrested because of that. That's the... It's an idolatrous place. But Ephesus is a place that has played a great role in the history of the early church. I mean, yes, Timothy is the pastor here at this particular point, but he's not the first one. James was. James was the pastor of this church. Timothy is the pastor of this church. This is a church that has an entire book of the Bible dedicated to it. And yet, in less than 30 years, they're going to move from this wonderful church that Paul writes to where he goes to the people and he weeps over them because he's not going to see them anymore. Remember that? They move from being that kind of church to the church that you read about in the second chapter of Revelation where he says, Jesus says, nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. How in the span of less than a generation can a church move from being a good, great, healthy church to being a church that's abandoned Jesus? It's just ruins there today. How does it get to that point? How do do we keep from being at that point? By remembering that the church is not a building but that the church are people. That the purpose of the church is not just simply to gather together, but the purpose of the church is to be an evangelistic witness to the world that's around us. We live in a city that is just as lost, just as idolatrous as Ephesus. Columbus is a lost city. Columbus is a city that does not know Jesus. And we see it, don't we? We see the repercussions of that. So how do we then, as a church, become the kind of people that he talks about in these passages so that perhaps God will grant to Columbus repentance? Not just the people inside this church, but the people outside the walls of this church. The people outside the family of God. That He might grant them repentance. It's what we're after, isn't it? But there's more. Look at, look at why God will grant them repentance. So that they may know the truth. What's the truth? The truth is the gospel, isn't it? Just like many of these churches that we've seen uh, throughout the New Testament, false teachers have come in and had a heyday in these churches telling them things that are not true. How do you measure that? How do you test whether it's true or not? You start with the basis of the Bible. This is true. More than being true, this is truth. 
This is not a book that contains truth. This is a book that is truth. So I start right here, and then I measure everything else against it. That's what Ephesus should have done. That's what Britt David better do. Okay? If perhaps, here's the purpose, if perhaps God will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and, so there's more, right? It's like the old commercial. But wait, there's more. (laughs) And that they may come to their senses. (laughs) I mean, the gospel makes sense, doesn't it? If you come to your senses. To those that aren't in their own senses, it's foolishness, the Bible says. It's the prodigal son out eating the same pods that the pigs are eating when the Bible says he came to himself. It's the, it's the demoniac that we talked about last Sunday morning. Who the Bible says he was in his right mind finally after coming to Jesus. So here comes your purposes. So that they may know the truth, and here's the point of the truth, knowing the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. If there's one phrase or one line that I have to underline and say, this is the purpose of chapter 2. This is why Paul keeps telling Timothy, you need to be this kind of person. You need to do these kinds of things. You need to be this kind of pastor. You need to be this kind of church leader. You need to be this kind of church member. If there's one line that I have to underline to say, why is it important that I be the right kind of man or right kind of woman? That other people might escape the snare of the devil. It's the whole issue, isn't it? That they might escape. So... One of my purposes in this world needs to be to help people escape from the snare of the devil. Now, these little traps that we have, maybe you set out a mouse trap sometime. I hope you don't ever set out a bear trap, but maybe, I don't know, maybe you do. Anyway, you set those traps out and you just hope, you know, you hope the little rat's going to come through there. You know, you hope the bear's going to go through there. You, know, you hope that they're going to step in that. So you, you put something in the trap that you know that they really won't. And I have to tell you, the first time that I ever set out a mouse, tra- mouse trap, I mean, I did just what I figured everybody was supposed to do. I sliced up a little piece of cheese and put it right there on the mouse trap. And in the morning, there was the mouse trap. And there was the cheese. <laughs> he didn't care one thing about that. I thought about mice are supposed to like cheese, right? So then the next day, I took a little piece of potato and I sacrificed some of my dear peanut butter and I slathered that thing and stuck it on there. Guess what was in the trap the next morning? Not that potato, you know. Little Mickey was in there at that point. All right? That's them. I'm. I'm not hoping or not hoping against that they might fall into this trap that the devil has set. This should change your entire view of evangelism. The world out there is not about to step in the devil's trap. 
they're already in it. To help them escape. That means they're already there, right? To help them escape the snare of the devil. And then if you needed any more confirmation, leave the very last phrase. Having been taken captive by him to do his will. They're already captured. They're already enslaved. I'm not letting Mickey out of his trap. But if somebody, if a child walks through the woods and steps into a bear trap, don't we do everything possible and necessary to help that child escape the snare that they're already in? That's what he says. Timothy, these are not trivial matters. I'm not telling you things so that you can answer the questions in Sunday school. I'm telling you about the kind of man that you need to be because there are people who are trapped who need you. Listen to me. There are people in this community, in our city, who are trapped. There are people at your work. There are people at your school. There are people in your church who are trapped. And they don't need some other pious, self-righteous do-goody that's gonna, that, 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 that tries, to, tries to put on some kind of front to make everybody think that they're perfect. They need a single-minded soldier. They need an athlete who competes by the rules. They need a disciplined farmer. They need a workman who need not be ashamed. They need a vessel that is sanctified and clean. Because you're the hope and the help to get them out. If that is the purpose... and I I think it is. Then let's go back to verse 23 where we left off last week. Look at this passage of Scripture from verse 23 and 24 and the first part of 25 up till we read that little word, if. And find out what we're supposed to... What is the final things that Paul has to say to Timothy? What's the final things that the Bible has to say to us that we might become the kind of people to help others escape the snare that they're already in? Two things. Number one, to help them escape from the snare, first, divest yourself of foolishness. Divest yourself of foolishness. In verse number 23, he uses this word very early, right after the word but, he uses the word avoid. There's something to avoid. There's something to get rid of. There's something to stay away from. There's something to refuse. In your translation, you may actually have that word, and that's probably the best translation. Refuse these things. And what he's really talking about, through the end of verse number 23, and the beginning point of verse number 24... It's foolishness. It, it's, it's things that, that you get to see in there. Things that are empty. Things that are powerless. 
things that in the, in the scheme of things, and, and when it comes to trying to help somebody escape a snare, does not matter. We're not there to put flowers on the trap. We're there to open the trap. So there's certain things to avoid or certain things to refuse or certain things to divest yourself of. Notice what he says in verse 23. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. That's what you're to do. To avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Well, I would say it to you this way. Refuse senseless speculations. You may have that word in there. The word for disputes is sometimes the word for quarrel. Sometimes it's the word for arguments. But it's a seeking. The the word basically means to seek. It means to speculate. It means to come to some kind of conclusion, but not necessarily based on facts. In this case, they're not based on facts whatsoever. They are senseless speculations. They are foolish disputes. They are ignorant disputes. It says that we're to avoid those things. There's a reason why the Bible says not to entertain yourself or interject yourself into foolish conversations, to entertain a fool. They argue over things like which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Number one, it's not important. Number two, it's easy. It's the chicken. But, you know, the, 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 the trying to get into arguments over things that do not matter eternally. We get bogged down in the minutia of our doctrine. We miss the forest for the trees. To refuse since the speculation is not to get into those kinds of arguments. Did you see what happens? What happens when you refuse to refuse that? When you always want to get up into somebody's argument, you always have a point that that desperately needs to be heard. You always have something to say that's going to fix everything. And it just doesn't. You see what happens? Knowing. The word that he uses for knowing is a word that means this is obvious. This is something that everybody knows. Knowing what? They generate strife. You ever been in a foolish and ignorant dispute and ended up coming to a fruitful conclusion? (laughs) No. At some point, somebody's going to say, well, I guess we just need to agree to disagree. You shouldn't have started in the first place. These are matters that are not important. They're senseless. And all it does is divide, and it generates strife within the body of the church. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim continues his verse-by-verse study of 2 Timothy. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.